Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Heat Wave. This is Charles O'Neill with my beautiful co-host, Natalie O'Neill, which is my wife. We actually have hello. a very special guest hello. today, Miss Don James from Doctor Don James. Doctor, Doctor, Doctor Don mm-hmm. James. Hello. Our pronouns are she and her. Yeah. Um, Don, welcome to our show. This is the Heat Wave. Um, something that um, as we mentioned, our podcast is really about um connections. And um, those uh, that we have really been blessed to connect with throughout our journeys um, and really also happen to do really neat stuff. So um, I really wanted to just welcome you to our show. And why don't you tell our audience um, what it, about yourself? Like, what is it that you're, uh, where are you zooming in from, first of all? And uh, what what is kind of a little bit about your journey? Okay. So I am a Zooming in from Granbury, Texas, which is a new location for me. Um, I know it's familiar to you guys, but mm-hmm. I've only been here about six months. And I am a, a physical therapist, and I'm starting a new doctor of physical therapy program here at Tarleton State University. That's very exciting. And um, why don't you share a little bit more then? Um, that's kind of your new journey, right? Why don't you share a little bit more about um, your uh, a little bit more about your background. Um, and then of course, we'll probably get into how you met us. I mean, I met you first, however, um, quickly Charles tried to steal you and still continues to. <laughs> well, she is technically my friend, your coworker. So I guess that's one way that. to put that. I guess that's what you're right. You're more yes. professional. You're, I, uh, we can take credit for that one, Charles. So we'll let her go. And it first. started out that way. Yeah. And as my friend, way. You know, we got it. We got it because we live in Las Vegas, obviously. She said Granbury. Most people don't know where Granbury is at. Where is it in, in relative to Dallas or San Antonio? Okay, so Granbury, Texas is about a half an hour outside of Fort Worth. And so the university I work at is in Stevensville, which is a very small town here. Um, I think it is the, the rodeo capital of the world. Um, and so that that is another um, half an hour west of where I am. So okay. I um, you want to do a little bit of background. So yeah. just who I am, I am a um, straight cisgender um, white female. I am a um, mom of three amazing kids who all identify as biracial and um, this is kind of the, the little personal side of that. And so Natalie and I met, as Charles said, um, while we were working, um, both teaching at another university and, um, we just kind of bonded over experiences in the university. Our, uh, my youngest and her oldest kids are the same age. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how old are your Charles, kids? Ooh, uh, they are, uh, Erica is thirty. I'm going to get the math wrong and then I'm going to be in trouble. Um, uh-huh. 31, Brandon is 26 and Samantha is 23. So you really don't have kids. You have adults. I, I, <laughs> they're your kids, okay. but they're adults. And you always think of them as kids that. though in many ways. Yeah, they're adult kids. Adult, adult children. Mm-hmm. Adult children. It depends yes. on the day as, as whether, whether we're going to identify them as adults yeah. or not. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. And at that time that we met, we were living in Los Angeles, which is much different from um, Texas where you currently are. Um, and I wanted to just kind of also say, not only do our kids, um, our 
venture, our oldest and Sam um, are the same age. They have actually, interestingly enough, kept in touch. And I had to share with you that Sam has actually been on, um, Sammy's um, been on Ventures Podcast um, because yeah. he has really felt she has done some really um, cool things since, um, you know, since she's been growing up as well. So that's, that was fun. She's back in Southern California now. She's back in Los Angeles. Oh, that's very cool. So that's, that's really cool. Um, that's exciting. I'll get to go visit her out there now. Yeah, that's exciting. So tell us then, um, you are a physical therapist, a little bit about your uh, professional career, because it is impressive. And I know you're a very humble person um, and you don't necessarily like to um, share some of the things that you've done. But why don't you share with us a little bit about, you don't have to give us exact dates, but how long have you been a physical therapist, kind of some of your your specialties and, and the, some of the other things you've been uh, proud to be a part of for our profession? Well, I gave you the age of my kids. So that kind of ages me um, already. <laughs> but um, I'm a pediatric physical therapist. And I did not start out that way. I started out wanting to do sports. And it's kind of interesting, because I've come back a, a little bit full circle on that. But I am um, said a pediatric physical therapist. And I started working at Shriners Hospital there in LA, and then moved on to Los Angeles Unified School District and had uh, an early intervention practice. So I was seeing babies from zero to three with um, maybe who had come home from the NICU or had uh, cerebral palsy or Down syndrome. And so I was doing um, evaluations for them. And my primary job was again at, at the school district and started just wanting to learn more, went back to school because um, when I graduated, physical therapy was a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and went back to school and got my doctorate and started getting interested in, through that process, interested in education and looking for opportunities to work in, um, in physical therapist education and started at West Coast where you joined us very mm-hmm. shortly. Yeah. And uh, then moved, uh, I was there for maybe 10, nine, 10 years and um, moved to Arkansas to start a, um, a physical therapy program there with a friend of ours. Yes. Um, yeah. Teresa Ar- Brown. Kansas. Yeah. Ar- 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 Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> um, which kind of put me closer to home because I didn't mention this, but I'm originally mm-hmm. from Kansas City and mm-hmm. um, I can say go Chiefs, right? Yes, you can oh, say we're, gonna, gonna, gonna we're not going to get into that yet. We're not going to get into that yet. With this being Super Bowl week, uh, are we Charles, really calling out that? We're oh. not going to get into that yet. <laughs> yeah, let our guests finish her. Uh, let our guests finish <laughs> okay. her introduction because yeah, I think it's right relevant ahead. to how we are uh, gonna, you know, why she's kind of here with us today. So, understood. So originally from Kansas City, Arkansas, and I'll say I've had a lot of really cool experiences. I think. I got into working with uh, volunteering for USA Paralympic track and field, which um, actually venture and, um, and you all and and my Mm -hmm. kids, like all Mm -hmm. kind of volunteered with angel city sports with Mm -hmm. their, with their track meet. And um, I think one of the other things, and I have to thank you for this was when you took me home um, to your home Mm -hmm. up to, up to Fort Peck. Mm-hmm. And we took some students up there and um, that was one of the kind of coming back home moments for me almost because it was like back in that small town, which is mm-hmm. where um, 
I went to, to high school in this really small town in Missouri. And it, it felt like kind of going back home and how much I enjoy being there and seeing yeah. that side of you mm-hmm. and experiencing that alongside of our students was, um, it was a beautiful experience, I think for, so, for everybody involved. Yeah. So I guess since you mentioned it, we can talk about it. Um, it was 2018 and I can't believe it's been that long Dawn, wow. I, or ni- 19. Yeah. I believe it was 2018 when you came with, um, and I had an idea um, we, I was still refer to Tressa as the best boss ever because she was, I mean, granted young in the sense of not had been a program director for very long, but was very innovative in her leadership style and really just wants one of those people that just wants everyone that she's with to do well. And um, I think she sensed that by allowing uh, and finding a pathway for us to um, bring our students to my tribal nation, it would really help me. Um, I think she sensed that there was just something that I had always wanted to do and just really hadn't had the resources. And and even though we didn't find a lot of funding, uh, we got really creative with it, right? And so she found the, the time, you know, some small resources, which was definitely enough. And then you were willing to come along um, as well and fly up there and um, talk about um, a totally different like environment. I mean, some of our students, one of them had never really left Southern California, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, that that definitely was to go from Southern California to uh, Wolf Point, Montana. <laughs> And to be out there, literally, um, you know, they kind of joke about um, our area being the furthest away from a Starbucks at that time from anywhere in the lower 48. Um, you know, that that definitely was a really cool experience. And you guys got to go to each one of our schools on the reservation and um, we've got to do training. And I know for you, um, it had to have been really unique because the you know, the need for pediatrics, physical therapy is so um, still to this day. Um, such a need, but you, they pretty kept you pretty busy just by bringing you kiddos to do some assessments on and um, get your expertise. So that was a really neat. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. But uh, I know you two understand because you guys were there, but when you say uh, it took a group of students, you yeah. guys went up to from Southern California yeah, all Angeles. the way to Montana yeah. and you guys did yes, pediatric did. work and did uh, yeah. you know studies. Outreach. How long were you there for? We were there for a week, I think five days, right, Don? Yep, five days. And um, each day we went to a different school. Um, Our tribal Uh schools are really small. Um, As you know, the biggest school has 250 at the high school, probably another 300 at the elementary school. So these schools are, are really small. Um, and then we did assemblies. Sometimes we never knew what we were going into, right, Don? I mean, we'd have we'd have yeah. one thing planned, and the kids were the students were amazing. There was um, because they um, they all volunteered. By the way, they paid for their own flights, not knowing if it was going to be reimbursed or not. They were so so trusting of me and um, Don <laughs> that they uh, they 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 thought this would be a cool opportunity. Um, unfortunately, our our tribal council was very generous, and they reimbursed each one of them back for their flights, which I thought was really great because once they saw what they were doing and the response, um, we went ended up going a second time as well. So it was really uh, really cool. Yeah. So we did outreach. Just you know, for us, it's it's yeah. um, it was I think the impact of these kids that I've never seen like doctoral students for physical therapy, didn't even know what physical therapy was for the most part, to have them um, engage with our students. And they were so energetic. It was, I think, really meaningful. And for some of you guys listening, and understand small town, this is a town with only a stop sign. Yeah. You know, maybe one, two stoplights, but uh, mm-hmm. one of the towns they were at only have a stop sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brockton <laughs> has town. a stop sign. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has one stop sign, one gas station. Mm-hmm. And if you blink, you will miss it. Mm-hmm. And it is very, very out there. <laughs> yeah, it's remote. So, but yeah, no, I think for Don, um, it was, 
Um, and, you know, we, her and I were also fortunate um, not to just make this about you and me, but we've also were at that point, had we already traveled to Spain together? We went, so we went up there in 2018 I think or 2019, the spring of 2019, I think. Okay. And I think we had already been to Spain. Yeah. I think we had already been to Spain. So, yeah. So we've already, we had already traveled um, in one way, like definitely Spain was a, a, also a university-based trip. Um, we took also eight, how many doctoral students did we take at that time? I think it was eight or the first eight. trip. Eight. eight. Um, and that was very, very, I would say much more modern. <laughs> Um, and what yeah, we, did. we were in Madrid. Yeah, we were in Madrid, a very historic city um, and got an opportunity. So by then, I think Don already knew that, like, you know, we had a traveling uh, system, both similar and, and, and a lot of things, except for one big difference we found is our, um, I am a warning person. Charles, you know that I've turned everyone probably in our you family. You know, I, I would know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am not. I am and Don is not. So we kind of had to find oh, that nice balance opposite. of like nice balance. You're telling me of... you're a physical therapist that sleeps in? I didn't think you existed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There, there are plenty of us. There are plenty oh, of us. Goodness. We have to find our friends when we go to conferences who will wake mm -hmm. us up in the morning. And yeah. that is that is Natalie. That's me. Oh, I'll okay. Get up and get going. She's your but, wake up um, call, huh? Yeah. So we, um, yeah, so we had already traveled together. Um, then that was also through our university and, and that we were at in LA. Um, Don was really integral in setting up an international education program. And once again, if you're not in education and you're listening to this, um, it's not an easy thing to do, Don. Why don't you go and share with us a little bit about, um, you know, it sounds really luxurious and, and um, yes, my part of it, it was because I just filled an application and and showed up but you of course your experience wait before um, she gets into this i you know from what you guys describe i am not a physical therapist but it sounds pretty fun traveling it, it, to spain very traveling fun. To Montana, like I said, it was a heck. lot of fun uh -huh. I say, well, it makes you want to sign up to be a pt it, it probably would, but it is a lot of work. And I'll let Don kind of oh. explain a little bit about what's okay. involved with taking a, a, a big university and then the university international and how you get um, convince them <laughs> that they should go. pay for us to come over. <laughs> so we had a coordinator, Tina Newton, who is mm -hmm. absolutely amazing, who walked uh, walked us through this. But when you take students on these trips, it has to be educational in nature. It's not just, you know, to go and and learn about culture it was to go and learn about um physical therapy but also to provide service and in both mm -hmm. both instances when we went to spain um, our students were doing education on um, acl injury prevention mm -hmm. and they were learning about what physical therapy and the healthcare system in spain looked like mm -hmm. when we went up to montana they were um, providing information to these students about about healthcare careers mm -hmm. and what we did and kind of how, how to get into being mm -hmm. a physical therapist. So what, what we did for probably a year, year and a half before we even went up there was to put the curriculum together and to uh, make sure that it really was truly a learning experience and then educating our students about you know, these cross-cultural experiences and what they can expect and talking to them about cultural humility and, um, and also about just being the humble and, and not judgmental of how other people practice physical therapy because we're, we're all PTs and we spent some time with these amazing therapists in Spain, but practice looks different there and yes. their health care system looks different. Yeah. And so it's been a lot of time um, really talking to our students about what to expect and mm -hmm. arranging the travel 
and um and I think on, on the first trip, um, my daughter and ex-husband went, went yes. uh, for a little bit of time. Yeah. And the second trip, uh, Lily and, and some of your family came yeah. out. They did. Yeah. Really neat. A so. Great kind of side benefit. Yeah. And I think before we kind of get into some of the fun stuff, for me, one thing that was eye-opening, if you compare both, though Spain and Fort Peck Reservation, very different, right? Um, in many, many ways for culture and healthcare models. Um, one thing I found to be almost surprising is the level of trust that both yeah. places had in us as providers, right? And so like Charles, just imagine like you go into a hospital and you know, I've worked in hospitals pretty much most of my physical therapy career. And at that point, Dawn and I had split up. She was at one site, I was at another with another student and I'm in a hospital intensive care unit. They knew I had intensive care unit experience um, in the States and they literally gave me a gown and a mask. And we're like, this person had just had a, a lung transplant. Um, we would love for you, Dr. O'Neill, to please come and tell us like, what would you do with this person? And they're literally like rush pushing me into this ICU room. We're in a ward of like eight to 10 people. And that was just really staggering to me because the level of mm -hmm. trust, just knowing that I was a physiotherapist from the US um, and what could I teach them? Like it was, because um, that would have never happened in the United States. The liability alone, yeah. I mean, people would- Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I went yeah. into one of their NICUs. Yeah, and yeah. Um, got to got to see some kangaroo care and things like that. But yeah, yeah they just here you go. Yeah, well, and even yeah, back on our reservation, you had you had families like I know a foster family or two that brought their little mm -hmm. ones to you. They were like, "Can you see this baby?" Like here we have someone, and they were kind of trying to sign up to get um, Dr. James to see um, their little one for um, just assessments and ideas of how to help their kids. So I think the level mm -hmm. of trust um, sometimes we take that for granted, right? As like um, and you know, being I guess where we're from and the backgrounds that we have is that people really value. Um, almost to the point of like it could be dangerous right if you didn't know what you were doing yeah. and weren't humble enough to like say no I, I don't think this is probably a good idea so yeah I think um, oh, that's when, somebody right trusts there. You, when somebody trusts you with their babies mm -hmm. or or you know their their family member who who's ill and mm -hmm. yeah, it, yeah it's 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 deep it is intense as Charles said it does get there yeah and then but but I know Charles from your perspective I mean here you are holding down the fort and um, here's me and um, DJ, which we call her because she's a friend, obviously. I'm traveling all over. I would love to hear, like, what do you think? Because we make it sound really academic, but I know you hear the fun side. Uh, what are some of your thoughts, I guess, about, you know, what what her and I have been able to um, participate in? Well, first of all, I'm very highly impressed with what you guys do. And I can't even comprehend, comprehend some of the things that you guys work on or or or, or even reach reach out to do. Uh, like we Like, you took me on one trip. Um, uh, we'll talk about that later, but just from listening to you guys go to your conferences and work, and I've actually visited both of you guys when you were at West Coast and just watching these students just interact with you, come to you with, you know, wide-eyed and just, you know, just hammering down those concepts and for them to learn what's going on and for, the, for them to take what you're saying at face value and apply those concepts and, oh, this is what I need to do. This is what I have to do. This is the, uh, what I have to learn. And, and I've seen them transform from being a first year to second year to being third years to like, okay, now they're in the profession because we've been, I've been around you guys so long and it's mm -hmm. just an, very impressive to watch you guys take somebody fresh out of school and transform them into a PT. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I've seen trans. them at the, at, yeah, that's what you're transforming them. And I've mm -hmm. seen them at their beginning stages to the end stages. And it's very I mean, impressive. You've been around, you've been around PT this whole time too. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. 
Yeah, he's an honorary member of the uh, class of 06 for USC. Um, <laughs> USC. But there are oh, people. That's a, I, that's a funny story right there. We think I'm a PT. <laughs> there's been a few. We 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 sell. We tell people that that if you were to interview, let's say someone um, from a class above us or a class below, um, that really wasn't let's say as engaged or just didn't go to as many um, functions, they will tell you there was a black male that graduated from class of 06, and, and his name was Charles. <laughs> yes. Now, I've been to CSM. I've been to all the functions. I've been, yeah, to I've been there with you. And, but even when I we were at and school, I, yeah. and I, and I, I could chit chat it up with most of them, and it's just so fun because they're yeah. like, So, where are you working at? And I yeah. like, uh, I'm a real estate agent. Yeah. I sell houses. <laughs> 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 Did you left school? No, I never was in the program. It just my wife yeah. has been in. I, I just get dragged or uh, you can't drag the willing. You get the pleasure. You come to, yeah. I get the pleasure of hanging out. Yeah, you can't things. drag the willing. That is true. But, can't uh, drag the willing. No, but um, but I know Donna and I, I mean, we talk a lot about the educational stuff, but we do enjoy. I mean, we have fun. I mean, going to Madrid, pretty amazing. Um, definitely ready to go back. Um, and kind of, I know we've been saying that for a few years. I mean, the pandemic definitely put a huge uh slowdown for a lot of that for a couple of years um but would love to go back i think it's you know you those trips they are exhausting i mean we make it sound really luxurious but you're getting up early you know students are getting ready if they're if they're doing an educational outreach event um typically those last hours um and and then they're moving on to another event which lasts hours i mean we were working um those different events and you, you though they might be as not be as like academically demanding in some ways for us they are um, um you know you have to be on right you're representative yeah. of the u.s of our university um they're all eyes are on you and we tell the students that all the time so it's uh by the time we're done by 6 p.m or whatever it's it's a tiring 6 day. p.m you're funny well we i mean for Spain, the events we were yeah oh, that's well, right sometimes we were working Spain, till yeah. eight. yeah you're right and then we right. had dinner with students and like we were yeah. out like 11 o'clock at night yeah, you're right and and then being responsible for them mm-hmm. in a foreign city when yeah. they didn't necessarily speak Spanish yeah. or um, we didn't necessarily trust their abilities yeah. to yeah. to get around yeah. a, a foreign country by themselves. Yeah. No, that's very true. So it's a, it is, it is a really neat um, thing to be able to build. And I look forward to like hearing more about your future endeavors with that. Cause I'm sure now that you're at um, where you're at, that's going to be a part of what you do. Um, before we get into any more of like kind of the other fun stuff, I know Charles, like you and Don hit it off pretty much from the start. We can go ahead if you want to talk about football because, you know, let's change it up football. a little bit. But she's, she's well, I think that's sad. a mutual friendship, though, of, of why <laughs> you guys are are um, hit it off as, as like you said, friends, um, because she is a football fan. She's also a Kansas City native. So, you know, being that the Kansas City Chiefs are her team. Um, I think you guys have have a mutual, you're both loyal to your teams. That's what I'm saying. I am not loyal. I'll never claim to be loyal uh, to any team. Um, I just, I, I'm a, I'll, at best, I'm a Fairweather fan. <laughs> but you guys you are both married, those. You married into a 49er. Oh, family, I've always so told you I, that doesn't mean I have to be a, that doesn't mean I have to be a, you can call it what you want. I I'm still not a fan. So, <laughs> yeah. but I, I like football, just not loyal to one team. So what would you say Charles about that? Well, you know what I'm going to say about it. You know, Donna's a very good friend. I hope after this game, we can remain friends because she's going to be very sad for a couple of days and I don't want her to take this out on me because I'm not on the field playing. I just, I just want to let her know our it's team's okay. better than hers. What's so what? Super Bowl? What have we got? We got Super what Bowl forty. Last, what happened the last time 
these two teams played each other in the Super Bowl. He's got you on that one. You know what? I don't remember. That's four years ago. No one cares about that. You know, we can block it out. We do have a... Yeah, like like cowboy fans, you know, they still talk about stuff that happened, you know, twenty seven yeah. years ago. You're talking about stuff that happened four years ago. We're talking about now, this year. Twenty twenty four. What Super Bowl is this? Super Bowl fifty eight. Super Bowl fifty eight. So so Super Bowl fifty four did not go so well Vegas. for the Niners uh, when the Chiefs played. Um, so hopefully you guys will have a good. Yeah. A hopefully good... we get a better outcome, and that's that's all I'm gonna say about this. You know, I don't, I'm not one for trash talking. I, ha- yeah. I have to mature. Although I've heard you've done I'm your four, fair share. I'm, four, I'm I got 40 plus when, years old. When we jumped I, on, I have some texts. Yeah, I oh, have some texts. Text? DJ said that the, the word trolling <laughs> comes to mind, Charles. So I think I think as somebody, you can do a little bit better with your friend. I have stayed out of it. I've told you both. I said I'm neutral party. I don't uh, I don't get involved. So. Yes, She's been keeping the receipts, huh? <laughs> yeah, keeping the receipts. She can screenshot them. And if it doesn't go your way on Sunday, just be prepared. I'm sure they'll be coming back. <laughs> I'm sure I just I just want to see a good game. I I want yes. to see a good game. I don't want a boring game. I don't want to blow out either side. I yeah. like yeah. to well, watch football. Last time I was looking at some it. of the crazy prop bets they have going on. It's pretty funny. Oh yeah, tell her about that one you were talking about. So, uh, if the Chiefs score a safety, and that's all they score, it's plus a million. <laughs> so you can win a million dollars on that one. But I don't think they're, I think they're going to score more than two points. So. Uh, I'll leave that one. I would hope so. I would hope so. (laughs) I I think that's why the casino was willing to put a million dollars down as the or million to one odds. So it was was plus plus a million. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? I always put a put a dollar on just like I have that ticket. Yeah, but no, it's going to be a good game. I, I I hope we win by thirty-one. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big spread there. It is, I... and it's a, that one's also plus forty-five hundred too. So you know, just a little little stuff. I've been looking at it's like nine pages of prop bets. Oh, so, what do you think the final score is going to be? Oh, I, I think it'll probably be a fairly high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think. So now we're recording. What do you think the score will be? Oh, you want an actual, an yeah. actual score here? Um, let's go thirty-three to thirty-five. Chiefs by two. Ooh, Three-point oh, game. That's that's Shoot. a good bet because we've won our last couple games by very close. You know, we had we struggled mm-hmm. with the Packers. You know, that's a three-point game. Uh, we spotted Packers the beat the Chiefs recently, so yeah. but it was a close game. Natalie and I were together when that happened. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's true. Mm-hmm. That was a close one. So, well, now you got your uh, thing, Charles. You can okay, put your got, bed down. got that out the way. That's what we're good to go. Now, I was you can put your bet down. That yeah, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put it down. Li- gonna, put the line happens. bet. <laughs> three point game. Be Since you're in, in Vegas. So, um, yeah, no, very cool. So, kind of a little bit back to what, um, since we're talking about um, connections and, um, you know, you obviously have had. Um, our profession is very connected in the sense it's a small profession nationally, right? Um, And you have, I guess, through different, your connections, you know, that you've built uh, are now in a position to kind of develop something uh, from the ground up. What does that feel like? What does it feel like to have, you know, just kind of been chosen and, and now you're like, by the way, like the decisions you make could impact this university for decades, if not longer. Um, It is, it's, very daunting because right now I'm the only one. Okay. Right. So this is my third new program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm the only physical therapist on faculty right now. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to create a, a meaningful program to our profession and to the university. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a rural health mission, mm-hmm. which I, I'm a city girl, but, and I don't think that, that rural health and, and urban health are so closely connected. Mm-hmm. There's like two ends of the same spectrum and, and they have a lot of the same um, challenges. Mm-hmm. But we have this rural health mission um, and uh, to really support health equity mm-hmm. within underserved and, um, and these rural populations and to support students who are in, um, who are in Texas primarily is students in Texas who are going to are from a rural area who are going to go back and provide services in that rural area. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I want to make, I want to build a program that, that people are going to look at and say, wow, like that's really innovative or mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really meaningful what you're doing and your students are coming out and they are um health equity minded, social justice minded, they are interprofessional practitioners that they respect the other practitioners that they work with, mm-hmm. that that they are able to provide primary care physical therapy, physical therapy for musculoskeletal injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, that they really kind of know what they're doing and that they do so with empathy and compassion and um, and the service advocacy mindset. And that's a lot to ask. It is. It is. And and I think of, of all you say that, like, we know just from the perfect, and this is not just unique to physical therapy. I think it's across healthcare. Um, how do you get them to go back to their communities, right? Like how, how do you provide those pathways? Um, because I think we're both ones that can clearly say we came from smaller towns and really that wasn't necessarily the pathway we chose. Right. So, yeah. Do you guys yeah, see I, that as a trend that people go back to their hometowns no, or back to no, their no. So areas? No, most kids, no. most, and well, Don can talk about it because you probably more current with your, your information since you've been looking it up. So I think a, a lot of students tend to stay in the area, especially if they go to like a place like LA and mm-hmm. a, a lot of our students who were in LA in that program mm-hmm. stayed in LA even and we had students from all over the place from east mm-hmm. coast down to florida mm-hmm. um some of them went back um but i think when you are developing a program with that as your mission and we have rural health court we have rural health courses built in that are service oriented courses both the ot program the pt program and the pa program because we're all developing um and, and with that being our mission and being so upfront about that, we're really hoping that we're going to attract students who want to serve rural areas. Mm-hmm. But I think the money mm-hmm. in rural health versus working in mm-hmm. a Dallas or an LA or a Chicago, um, the money is, is different. The salary is yeah. different. And yes. our students have to worry about return on investment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's getting better. I know there's some policy level things that are happening um, in medicine that are, <clears throat> we're fighting to be a part of. So they're increasing um, incentives, right? Getting bigger loan repayments. If you go serve in a rural community, getting more um, ability to pay for them to come do an internship. Cause we know if they do an internship, Charles, if you do, uh, there's some, I don't know the exact numbers and we don't need to get too academic for the podcast, but I know there's mm -hmm. a good percentage of students. If you, um, if you do, wherever you do your last internship, or internships, you tend to want to stay in that area just to get familiar, you get comfortable. So if there's more money to like maybe give stipends for them to come work um, as an intern um, and get paid for their internship or get some incentive, um, then there's maybe a more chance that they'll go work in a small town. So, oh, afterwards. Okay. so yeah, so it's pretty cool. So there's some things happening. Well, I could see that, you know, you do the internship, now you get your license and mm -hmm. they have a need. Oh, we have yeah, an opening. Might as well stay, so stay here. here. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So it's, you know, one of the things that I'm building in is I want all of the students to do a rural health mm -hmm. um, clinical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they'll they'll all get to experience you know, what that's like. Yeah, okay. I think that's really neat. So, yeah, really cool. So, um, tell us a little bit about your um, kind of. So you said the path that you're building. I mean, you're literally like physically helping their, the design of the buildings. I yes. mean, that's, that is like truly like, not just like a, um, like a concept of building you actually oh, are so helping. She's really them. building a program yeah. from the ground up. Literally. Oh, literally. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, they, they're building a new building here for the OTPT, OTD, PTD, PT, um, DPT and PA program. Um, so all three of us are going to be housed in this, this new building and the three program directors um, have been, working with the architects to make sure that the building, you know, is going to be um, innovative and, and optimal for our students. And we just had our groundbreaking two weeks ago, I think, um, for the building. So they're, they're actually started construction on it now. Oh, now how long will that something like that take? Hopefully a year because the OT program starts next summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's now, a, this is the same thing you guys did when you were in uh, Arkansas, right? You built a program from the ground up with building new buildings and starting fresh and uh, bringing it in just the way you're doing it in Texas, right? Yes. I wasn't part of the building there, but I was part of the program um, with the curriculum and everything. But Teresa, who we've talked about a couple of times, mm -hmm. um, she was part of building that building there. Mm -hmm. And it was the same at West Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was also a brand new build. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. So um, why don't you tell, um, I guess if we have, I guess part of our, like I said, part of this, what Charles and I are attempting to do with this podcast is, you know, talk about um, connections, right? And you've obviously mm -hmm. had a very um, lengthy career, not just in education, but as a clinician, and then you do so much service work. What is it, um, what is it about that that kind of makes you um, want to give back like and and how do you kind of foster those connections like through you know through your your service I mean what is it about that why why would you even do that I mean you have so many things people can do with their time than going and traveling to different countries and doing the things that you do like, what is it about that that kind of makes you feel connected and and want to do more I think there's such layers to that um I did uh, I grew up um, with a family who didn't have a lot of financial resources. And so I'm not going to get into that too much, but there were many times 
throughout um, my childhood that we were the recipients of acts of service from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that definitely drives that. Mm -hmm. However, I think part of it is just, it's who I, it's just who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I'm kind of trying to think like, like, I don't, like my mom was a room parent, that kind of things, but my parents didn't have the, the opportunity or the, um, the resources to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And given that I do, I just think it's my obligation to, to give back. Mm. Um, And not only not, but it it also feels good. I'm not going to, there's a whole big friends episode about that. I think we're, you know, trying to, trying to do something good without getting something back, but, but it feels good. But I also think that it's just my obligation to do that. I'm a healthcare provider. It's kind of what what we do anyway. We're very kind of giving of ourselves and and want to help other people. Otherwise, we wouldn't get into this profession. But um, my daughter and I started volunteering through National Charity League when she was, um, I think, in middle school, and see and, and having her see the importance of that and my, my son was a boy scout eagle scout all those fun things mm-hmm. having my kids see how important it is to to give back to the system that has given you so much um is was also really important and i don't want to get like too too sappy but mm-hmm. I think we understand but, what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a. It feels good. Mm-hmm. I should be doing it. It's it's yeah. and it's important that my kids see that as well. Yeah. I've been blessed with a lot of things. You talked about connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of these opportunities obviously allow you to build connections that are that are important, <clears throat> but it's what you do with those connections. So, you know, getting to know somebody like, like you and Charles, who also mm-hmm. do so much for your community, it, mm-hmm. it just enhances what I'm doing and being able to make those connections where I get to go up to Montana or um, where I get to meet people who are going to, um, to Ghana and, mm-hmm. and maybe partake in that, like mm-hmm. the connections that, that we make just allow me to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And I don't know that everyone sees it that way, right? Because um, that's something that, like you said, um, I heard uh, a couple of things with that is like, you feel like it's your obligation and not everybody feels that way, right? Some people clock out and they're like, that was my obligation for the day, right? Like I got paid for it, but it is, you know, it was uh, their, their obligation was completed. Um, but I think I've watched you DJ and I have just seen the way that our students, even your students respond to you, right? I mean, you are the one. <laughs> 
uh, Charles, I have, from the very first time I met DJ, part of what was so like intriguing about her was just the way that the students connected with her. Uh, they're the ones that they will tell her outrageous things about their lives. It's very personal. And things maybe I she do not need to know. She did not. She's very know. trusting. She is. She, she's very trusting. Not only is she a PT, she's also a psychiatrist too. Yeah, on the side, <laughs> an unofficial one, right? Not, not that yeah, she's unofficial. Ever, not, not, not licensed, but. Yeah, I do not practice. She seems to play that role a lot. And she doesn't give them the advice it's just the listening part and I I was always so I was so intrigued about that because they very much trusted you and even though I was a parent with a, a son maybe that same age as your youngest I, I don't necessarily always get the same response part of it is because that's kind of I kind of set this little layer there's a, up barrier there. there's a little layer there this depends on yeah, who you mean, are and I do have one though I have to so yeah. for my you have own a much self, so. a much stronger barrier I think yeah uh, I do than I, I do, do. Yeah, I'm like, you should go talk to D. Dr. James is in her office. No, I'm just kidding. Dr. James' office is two doors down. You should go there. No, I'm just kidding. go there. Well, you got to remember, you pull some kid out of Iowa or somewhere 15, 2,000 miles away. They don't have their mom there. Something's going on. They need yeah. someone to talk to. That's true. But it's, a, yeah, I have watched her at work. And it was from the very first time I met her, I was intrigued because they just, I'm like, they told you what? And then, and then she would always give me the filtered version that was more privacy protecting, but it was just always a little, or they had given her permission to share it with the rest of the faculty, but she was the first one to hear it. And I was like, how do they always come to these stories? <laughs> I think part of that has to do with the content that I teach too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I teach the professionalism, social justice, advocacy mm -hmm. stuff where we really dive into who they are mm -hmm. and who they want to be as a professional. Mm -hmm. And and we we tackle like really tough stuff in the classroom. We talk about um, injustices in healthcare. We talk about uh, socioeconomic challenges, um, social determinants of health. And it has to be a safe place in that classroom to talk about those mm -hmm. things. And so I, I think part of it is related to kind of what I teach and the, those topics mm -hmm. and that, that setup of the safe place in the classroom that they then expand that safe mm -hmm. place to themselves yeah no and I think um I think to be honest DJ like you know you were talking about how the impact of Montana um trip going to my reservation really kind of um really I guess had a had you know bright, brightened something um in you I really feel like for Charles and I like just the experiences that you and I have had in Spain um and in the service learning trips that's kind of how like, I want to spend my time traveling now, you know, we're, we're all busy yeah. professionals. We don't have a lot of time. And I think for uh, Charles and I, like, and, and what really solidified it was our trip last year to Ghana. It's like, I don't really want to do, don't get me wrong. Charles and I have had some amazing times at like all inclusive resorts where all we do is sit around and I play party games and he drinks, you know, whatever adult beverage. Water water adult beverage <laughs> he wants to do for the time there and and enjoys a chair at the beach um you know that Ghana trip really made us see that you know what yeah you can see amazing things you can do the outreach work during the day you can have some great times in the evening um share the culture and just really like the, it just makes that so much more meaningful um and I feel like that's probably mm -hmm. maybe why all three of us um tend to really um kind of vibe on that same level right now so yeah, because I think yeah. I got the same same feeling you got going to Montana. It's probably the same feeling I had when I was in Ghana, Africa, you know, just helping out children. Now, I'm not a therapist or anything, but there's a lot of things I could do, you know, logistically and, you know, just helping out and insisting. And I was I was humbled 
you know, many times over over there, just watching kids and people with very little means just doing the best they can and us assisting in any way we could to help them get to make them feel better was, was a great feeling. Um, and being really open to it. learning, learning, learning from them, yeah. um, and learning, learning about their culture. And I think, um, what is that, that Ted Lasso line, be curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just being open to those experiences is it's you get you don't get that same experience going to an all-inclusive resort in Jamaica yeah and yeah. and hanging on the beach which um I've only got to do once yeah. um, but even then you're, you're hanging on the wrong to... beach yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I have people tell child. me the problems all the time at Jamaica at the beach yeah. <laughs> I was I was with the I was with my daughter uh-huh. um had to behave myself but I mean even then I was trying to um you make connections I met a woman with a yeah. child with autism and, mm-hmm. and trying to find resources for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just think that it's that openness. Mm-hmm. Now it's funny because we started this podcast uh, with highly recommendations from our son talking about, Oh, you guys need to go on. You guys, you know, you're such great parents. You should do this, this, that, but we didn't get that information until he went off to college and could compare himself oh, yeah. to other kids. And he was just like, man, these, these kids can't even boil water. One of these kids' right? moms delivers them lunch. One of these kids still do this. And it's like, I don't understand. I, it's like, I have four more kids. And when he, when, he, when he first got roommates, they wouldn't clean up. They wouldn't do that because their parents always do this. Now, when you were raising your children, what kind of parenting styles did you have? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so I, I would take them lunch if they forgot their lunch at school. Oh. But, mm-hmm. um, but my kids all you know they they did their own laundry samantha started doing her laundry when she was like eight years old as soon as she could reach it um they i think my parenting style had a lot to do with teaching them to advocate for themselves um to, to ask questions to if they wanted to do something or if they believed in something to be able to voice that not that they were going to get it, um, mm-hmm. not that, that that they got to make the decision, but teaching them that their voice mattered when we were having these conversations and having that, that respect for them, even when they were children. Um, for me, that was important. And um, I think one of the, Samantha told me this, um, so when, when I was going through my divorce, Samantha and I kind of moved out of the house together. It was her freshman year in college and COVID and all that stuff. And we we're looking mm-hmm. for apartments and I took her through the entire process. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like, what does it look like to rent an apartment? What does it look like to read the lease? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, how do you, like, if making the, making the, um, not the down payment, making the deposit. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved during COVID, how to make sure that you got your deposit back mm, yeah. um, and, and having respect for the place that we were renting and, um, and being really open financially with her mm-hmm. was not something that we did while, while we were married, while I was mm-hmm. married. Um, that was a very different, different mindset about sharing those details, but she told me later that she was so thankful for that experience mm. and, and my son as well, because, okay. because she has friends who have no idea yeah. how to, yeah. 
and how to today go about I see, this. A, see a lot of parents being their kids' friends, mm -hmm. you know, oh. taking their kids out for their 21st birthday, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing stuff that their friends should be doing, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just like, uh, there's parenting and there's friends. Mm -hmm. And I've always been the disciplinary here. Were you the disciplinary? Were you the more oh, educational? God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you didn't no. punish, you didn't spank, you didn't do any of this? Um, no, I had, it was more about conversations and kind of working through things than, um, than being the disciplinarian. Because I think, again, that that yes, being the parent, not their friends, although I mean, my, they're adults now and mm -hmm. we do go out together and poor Samantha had her 21st birthday during COVID. So mm -hmm. we were together. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's different. But, <laughs> that was a whole different world. Um, but, but being respectful of their voice. Yeah. Um, there were still consequences. There were still, like I said, they, they didn't get what they wanted, but I think I, because I live with that, with that father, who was like ex Marine or he was a Marine, always a Marine, mm -hmm. um, you know, Marine drill Sergeant and what I say goes and doesn't matter what you think is that I went the opposite mm -hmm. with my kids and that, um, and it just taught them how to think. It taught them how to problem solve. It taught them how to do critical thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and that's excellent. You know, I tell, I tell people all the time, whatever you do, just be consistent. Just yeah. stick to it. You know, keep the plan going and keep going. Hopefully they catch on to the, the broader, broader picture. Cause it's not, there's no one right way to do it. And I tell people, oh, God, no. and I made, I made a ton of mistakes. Oh, I'm and not I have, I have apologized to my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, like looking back on it now, <laughs> everything um, that that we went through as a family, I, I have made many apologies. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and I think right now, a... right now we're dealing with a sixteen-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and if yes. anybody has a sixteen-year-old girl out there, they know what we're going through. <laughs> well, and it's a different generation too. Uh, I would it argue with so the impact of social media and just you know, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of variables that we didn't have even with our oldest um, son. And I know your kids are older than her, you know, than yeah. him. So the other two, so mm -hmm. I doubt that was as big of an influence either. So I think there's like a, a lot of elements. Um, and I think it's a different type. All parents want their kids to be safe, but the, I think when, at least with our son and even just watching others that had older kids when we were younger, um, it was an environmental safety, right? Like the external mm -hmm. environment. And mm -hmm. now I think with social media, it's like, it's in their hand. Right. And so, and it's really harder to kind of monitor a lot of that, um, you know, and I um, think the, the amount of information that kids have to process mm -hmm. about where they live, about the people that they are going through this life with about the decisions that, um, that affect them that are being, I, I just think that they have so much more information mm -hmm. that they know now if the Supreme Court finds this, like how it's going to affect them. I don't think that we had that information mm -hmm. or that even my kids at that time mm -hmm. knew the extent um, to how their lives are going to be affected by some of these things. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. I just blows my mind what what these kids have to deal with yeah with all the information they're getting from social media right and I think as a parent there's no pause it's not possible for any 
parent or guardian or anyone to like filter through all of that for them. But I think, like you said, having those conversations, right. And just being as open as possible. Um, at least that's how we've tried to approach it. Um, I know there is a level of though, like, no, this is not acceptable. Like we're just going to set when she, especially she's 16 now, but you know, two years ago, even just up until recently, she had everything on her phone was mimicked and mirrored, right. I could look at and watch it um, and kind of keep it, keep tabs on it much um, for more for safety um, than anything else. So, and I think she's probably the only one, her friends that actually, at least uh, that were brave enough to acknowledge that and, and vocalize that, no, my parent, my phone's not my phone. Like my parents own my phone and, and therefore like it, they have a hundred percent access to what I have. So don't post that or don't tag me in that, please. Or don't, you know, message mm -hmm. me that unless, uh, you know, cause I can get in trouble for that. So, um, and I don't know that I was policing it daily, like constantly, but it definitely was frequently. So, yeah. Very cool. So what's, so what, what do you have um, in store for yourself? I mean, you're, you mentioned that you're in Texas and we don't want to, I know that's a challenge just because it's a new environment. Um, what are you, you know, what are you doing to kind of foster more um, connections now that you're in this brand new university, brand new physical space, you know, brand new, you know, place. Um, right now, I would say that it's, it's kind of a challenge. Mm -hmm. because I spend so much time by myself building this program. Mm -hmm. But I'm at the point now where I, I uh, get to hire faculty. Cool. And so um, calling on those connections that I already have to mm -hmm. help find faculty who are going to see the same kind of vision that I have mm -hmm. for this program and help me um, further define it is, is really what I'm, I'm looking at. And then mm -hmm. we're going to Boston Mm -hmm. um, in a couple of weeks. So just to, um, to reaffirm those connections, but here in, um, in Texas, I think my primary look for connections is really with other therapists and clinicians and becoming involved, um, in the association here. I am still, still a California yes. member. Um, but looking to, to get more involved in what people are doing here. Absolutely. And I think that's important because you're, like you said, you're building something with an emphasis that's rural, right? But, but hopefully more local to that area. So, yeah. And uh, Charles loves Texas. <laughs> I know. Charles loves Texas. Not too bad. Because you could actually stay in South Fort Worth, Dallas, and uh, commute out to Charleston State if you really need to. <laughs> yeah, that's a, not a bad recruiting tool as well. So. There's a perk right there. There is a park. There's a beautiful lake, I'm sure, in your um, right in your neighborhood, right? The Granbury. Uh, it's right, right there. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous there. Oh. It is beautiful there. Yeah, very much so. Um, but Fort Worth is growing like crazy. Uh -huh. um, so oh, it was growing when we were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. That was ten years ago, and it was growing like crazy. So, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, mm -hmm. so, oh, cool. Well, Charles, do you have anything else that you wanted to ask our guest before we let her uh, get on with her day? You know, there's nothing I need to ask her. She's uh, been amazing. We want to thank her for her time and all. Yeah. And mm -hmm. join us is here on the heat wave. Uh, the last thing I want to tell her is go 49ers. <laughs> and with that, we want to thank her for our time. Um, and uh, Charles, go ahead and take us out. So, 
Well, this has been the Heat Wave, and we want to again thank uh, Doctor Don James for joining us here on the Heat Wave, and we appreciate her time. This is Charles and my beautiful co-host Natalie O'Neill. Right, thank you guys. Care. Thank you.